Welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, where we celebrate the craft of poetry. Each week, we feature interviews with incredible poets and artists, including Olivia Gatwood and A.E. Stallings, and original poetry read by the authors. I'm your host, James Moorhead, poet laureate of Dublin, California, and author of Canvas and Portraits of Red and Gray. Brittany Smale is a copy editor and writer who helps major book publishers, corporate clients, and indie authors polish a wide range of writing, from full-length book manuscripts and poetry chapbooks to ad copy and client presentations. She holds an MFA in Poetry and Literature Translation from San Francisco State University and a professional certificate in editing from UC Berkeley Extension. Brittany, welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast. Thank you. What are your earliest memories of writing being fun and not homework? My earliest memory of writing was, gosh, I think it was second grade and we were assigned, we had to create a book. So we were actually doing the physical book. We like, you know, wrapped it in fabric and got the pages all. Um, And I remember my dad helping me. He got really excited about it. So we wrote it together. Uh, We wrote a story that was called Turn Left at the Horse, which maybe that makes no sense at all. And maybe that's why I later got into poetry and things, because I love things that don't make sense. But um, I remember having so much fun. That was the line we had, turn left at the horse. And I made a whole story around it. Um, So I guess writing a story. You know what? I still have the the book that I made myself with the fabric cover. It was some science fiction thing of aliens invading. And I was really into reading science fiction from that point on. But yes, that was very impactful, physically yeah, creating it, it, a book. So I, I yeah. hear you. Yeah. So um, how did you discover not just writing, but editing other people's work? Um. Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand. If you're somebody who is interested in writing, when you're reading other things, you're reading, at least for me, I'm reading very closely because I'm looking at the mechanics. I'm trying to understand how meaning is being made. I think I always just kind of did that naturally. So when something trips me up or when I think something could be reworded, that's just just naturally something that catches my attention. Um, And then as far as, you know, in school, maybe you help a friend with something that they're writing. So there's some informal things there. And then probably more when I got into like grad school and doing poetry workshops and those kinds of things, um, then you're actively helping somebody improve um, you know, what they want to improve, helping them fix the problems that they think they're having. And so I guess that would be, yeah, it was more formal once I got to, to grad school. Now, there are a lot of disciplines in the publishing industry. So let's break down two of them. Describe the distinction between an editor and a copy editor. I love doing this because when I tell people I'm a copy editor, they usually don't know what that means. So it's fun to explain. Um, So an editor is somebody that an author is generally working with early, earlier in the stages of creating a finished manuscript. Um, So, and that changes for every project and for every author and how they like to work. Um, But the editor is sort of there along the way as the thing is getting written and put together. And then a copy editor comes in when you have what is, basically a finished manuscript. I mean, no manuscript is ever really finished and a lot of authors were gonna be making changes right up until the end, but the copy editor comes in and what's going to be the, the 
printed book and looks at that manuscript and goes through and really cleans everything up. You're kind of the, you know, the one who comes in and really starts to polish things. And especially because you are fresh eyes on it. Um, and then it goes through other things. Once the copy editor has had their way with it, um, it still gets goes often with a like a major published book goes through a proofreader as well so there are other eyes that get on there but the copy editor is the first one cool yeah. well i've benefited directly from your skills as a copy editor for several projects and have been amazed by both the precision of your work how you ensure letter perfection letter perfect manuscripts and i think that was basically the the, the ask when i first approached <laughs> you yeah and yeah. and the subtle feedback that you provide as well and choices that could be made uh, so break down for me how you approach a project as a copy editor. Okay, um, and it does change from project to project, but but across the board, you, what you're you're doing is you're you're reading the whole manuscript, and and actually, my what will happen is I'll get maybe like a quarter of the way through a manuscript before I'm like really understand the author's voice and style um and so that and that comes into play with how i then continue to edit the rest of the manuscript but basically you're looking for um anything you can do to help the language be the best that it can be you're trying to make the, the writer the best writer that it can be which is why the particular writer's style is important but you're looking i mean for the basics you're looking for actual grammatical errors you know maybe like a subject verb agreement problem those kinds of things um you're looking for typos um which you know lots of things slip through spell check and as you know too you're looking for things like homophone um, you know home phones and that kind of thing um that you know or or different spellings some people you know are used to a British spelling versus English spelling. So those kinds of things you're trying to bring in line for whatever is the right style for that publisher in that book. Um, what else? You're looking for like wordy language. Like it, Writers come from all different backgrounds and a lot of writers tend to write like they speak if they're not like a professionally trained writer. So you're, you're looking to help them um, clean up things that would be fine in speech, but maybe not so good in a formal book. So that kind of thing. So I, I approach the whole thing by really just doing a spell check first um, and then get kind of wrapping my head around the author's voice and then just working all the way through the manuscripts. Most manuscripts I go through twice, um, you know, if I have time, but go through the whole manuscript and just trying to bring everything. You also want the whole manuscript to be coherent so that the style across the board, it, you know, kind of fits from beginning to end. Um, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So building, building on that. So as I read my manuscripts over and over, I find it harder to catch small mistakes. The more times I've read it, I think it's just, you know, the brain naturally fills in the blanks or papers over things. It's just to be efficient. So um, yeah. what advantage you have, which you mentioned is seeing things with fresh, fresh eyes, but I know it's much more than that. So what are some of the key skills and strategies you learned in university that, that you apply on projects? Okay. Um, well, some of it is, it's like any other skill you've just been trained to look for particular things so at this point i i stop every time i see an apostrophe and read the word out loud um that any there are particular words that are, uh, tend to be problem words for everyone so those words will just jump off a page at me at this point it's hard to it's you know it's it's, it's like anything else it's hard to tell somebody else how to do it um it's just something you gain over time by paying attention to particular things over and over i will say it's funny my roommate makes fun of me because i read out loud when i edit and that's that's so that i i'm trying to trick my brain into not doing what you just said which is that we all when we read we just kind of read past things and that's very efficient that our brains will fill in words but as a copy editor you're trying to sort of like you know stick a stick a stick in that wheel so that it stops 
rolling. Um, so I read out loud so that I have to hear the words and it slows me down. I also will use my my computer cursor. Like I, I explain it to people like, you know, in kids' videos, you have a um, like a like a, a caption at the bottom and kids follow along with a little bouncy ball so they can like sing a song. I use my cursor that way. So I have to land on each word so that I can't skip a word oh Sorry. interesting I, I knew there had to be these things that yeah. that, that fight against our brain's natural yeah. desire to do everything super efficiently yeah. so what yeah. role do formal resources like the chicago manual style play in your work huge the chicago manual style is my bible absolutely but that's and there are different style guides that different industries use publishing tends to use chicago manual style i i am on their website the i have a browser open with that website all the time and actually um, I know we we have talked um, with your manuscripts about whether or not to hyphenate certain compound words. Um, that is a thing I've heard copy editors say. Some people have joked about getting the Chicago manual style hyphenation guide, which is like a chart that they have tattooed on their bodies because we look at it so <laughs> much that, yeah, so huge because no copy editor, any copy editor who tells you they know everything or they're an expert is a bad copy editor. I think to be a good copy editor, you have to be humble and understand that. I mean, I look up things all the time to make sure that I understand the corrections I'm making, that I'm not just making them because it feels right or sounds right to me, that I actually know the rule that I'm applying. So that's where the, the Chicago Manual style is, it has all those rules. Yeah, I think actually expertise is not having everything memorized. It's knowing right. it's knowing where to look and that you need to look. That's what expertise to, that, is. That's the key, that you need to look, that you yes. can't rely on your own yeah, assumptions. Exactly. So I've got so many questions about, about copy. <laughs> I find it so interesting. It's funny when we set this up, you say, oh, people think uh, copying for it. No way. Copying is so fascinating <laughs> as, a, as a writer. So is your job as a copy editor easier yeah. or harder depending on whether or not you are enjoying the manuscript you're reading and you don't have to name names, but just oh. well, how does that play a role or, or at all, or is it, it has plays no role? No, it, it probably doesn't play as much of a role as you think. I think because the way that the way that I enjoy a manuscript as a copy editor is different than the way I enjoy it as a reader. Mm -hmm. So there might be a book that I really enjoy reading, um, that, you know, that, I should put it another way. There might be a book that I wouldn't enjoy reading very much as just a reader, but as a copy editor, it becomes interesting to me because of the kinds of problems it's um, presenting to me and that those are interesting and engaging. And so then I'm enjoying my work, even if it's something I wouldn't read. So um, I, it's helpful when I like the author's style or author's voice, because that's just a pleasure. Um, but I find that I, if you can really learn an author's voice, you end up enjoying everything. So mm. you, you enjoy helping the author sound as much like themselves as they can. Very cool. Well, this yeah. happens to me uh, when I watch a movie that has anything to do with my day job. Um, my older daughter, who's a lawyer, you know, the same thing when there's when there's legal stuff that you're getting wrong or a teacher when sees the teacher being represented, it's yeah. just distracting. So when you're reading for pleasure, do yeah. you pick up on the quality of editing or conversely, are you distracted by poor editing? Yes, but I was that way before I was a copy editor. So, <laughs> so I would always, that's why I think that like, you know, those little clues you get in life, they're like, maybe I should be doing something with this skill. I tend to be reading much more closely than most of the people I know. Cause I'm, so maybe this is something I should monetize. Um, so, so, but yeah, I, and what I try actually now to do when I'm reading for pleasure is turn that off a little bit, because like you said, once you really trained to look for something, it can become distracting, um, in your regular life. And so I, I'm actually pretty good at turning off the editor in my head when I'm reading for pleasure. 
Yeah, well, I know that, uh, and this is a, a plug from me to you, for everyone out there. If you're yeah. publishing a manuscript, for goodness sakes, hire a copy editor to make sure it's letter <laughs> perfect. Because I do find when I'm reading, um, you know, if I were ever to find a typo in the in the in the New Yorker, I would I would frame it because it's next to yeah, impossible. They have very very good copy editors. Very yeah. rigorous, but it's distracting, you know. Uh, and I've noticed as yeah. things have gone online that that news articles are much sloppier now than they were when they were physically printed on paper. And I I don't know if you've noticed that too. And it's 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 distracting. It's distracting, yeah. And I actually ordered a book a few years ago um, that was self-published, because this is a thing for self-publishers too. Self-published, lots of good ideas. It was a book about travel writing, um, and I was curious, but it had so many mistakes in it. I mean, really, really obvious typos and mistakes that it just brings down the I, your opinion of of the author or the publisher or whatever right away. So, like any good advice that was in that book became kind of tainted by the the poor editing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you if you if you weren't prepared to invest the time to make it letter perfect direct yeah. and then yeah. it says something about how much you cared about what you created totally agree yeah. so as you know i write poetry you do as well so how does your approach change depending on the form of the manuscript okay so it, it is quite different with poetry it's really really enjoyable um the difference being when i'm doing prose um i there are rules that are really easy to apply. It's really easy to fix things when you know that it's it's just the author the author just didn't know where a comma was supposed to go or didn't you know um, was writing too quickly and made something too conversational. We need to kind of formalize it. With poems, poets are making very specific choices about everything that's on that page. I mean, that's part of poetry. Is some of those little elements that are just helpful in prose become really important in poetry. So, like with your manuscript instead of just applying rules, I would query, I would ask you, is this comma here for reason? Or did you want to hyphenate this or not? Because there, I don't want to make any assumptions about, about what's there intentionally or not. Um, so it's much more interactive that way. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's like, I, I have the, this poetry coach I'm working with, who I've also inter interviewed for the podcast, Ryan McCree, check it out. Um, you know, he's, he's made a point that because of enjambment, um, you know, yeah. you, you don't necessarily need commas at the end of lines because you right. have natural comma, but it, it, but sometimes you do. And it's, it, I, so I, as I appreciate the, yep. the, in addition to catching things, this, these sort yeah. of things that make me think about my writing as part of the process. Right. And that's it. There are, there are no rules in poetry at all. Cause a, 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 and my only thing is when I'm reading, like I would for prose, like with your poem, it's, it's like understanding your style so that then if, if like a comma or a, like a particular, you know, type of word is, doesn't seem to be fitting the way you're working within that particular poem or the manuscript in general, that's when I'll say, you know, is this intentional or not? So uh, final question. So what advice do you have for first time authors working with an editor or copy editor for the first time? Oh, for the first time. Well, it's great to um, to speak with the editor first. I mean, if, especially if you're like you did, you're hiring somebody directly um, to, to talk with the editor about what you want for your manuscript. And you guys can have just a quick little phone call or, or interview so that you, you're really on the same page about what you want the editor to do with your book and that and the editor should could can and should ask you questions about what you want um and about what kind of writer you are what kind of style you have um but really i mean just making sure that they have some experience that they've been well trained um is 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 good and also i would say don't feel like the editor's 
um, corrections or edits are the final word either. I mean, you are the author of your book. The editor is there to help you make it the best it can be, but you finally are the one who makes the decisions about what goes out into the world. Cool. Well, uh, Brittany, it's been wonderful talking to you. For those listening, uh, show notes will have all the links, all the things. There will also be a version of this interview on viewlesswings.com. Check it out. And I want to thank you for sharing your story and bringing to light what a copy editor is uh, to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. To close out this week's episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, I'm going to read a poem I wrote as a thank you to Brittany. Ode to my copy editor. Chicago's book of style keeps you true. When semicolons fit, you'll point them out. Each comma placed gets certified by you. If hyphens are amiss, there'll be no doubt. But more than punctuation, you'll detect with your keen eye and passion for detail. When palette should be palette, you'll correct. Those pesky homonyms swap without fail. And when you've copy-edited my book, you'll wrap the project with a free critique. Go back and give these two a second look, and sure enough, those poems incomplete. To thank you for your awesome expertise, I wrote this after the contract was paid, but worried this slight ode may not appease, for who corrects mistakes I've likely made? Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dublin Ranch, subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings.com.